0: Hi, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, and this is episode 167. If my voice sounds even lower and froggier than uh, usual, it's because I'm on the tail end of a massive head-and-chest cold, so uh, please bear with me. I don't think I have any shout-outs to take care of, so I guess I'll just get right down to business. First up on the agenda, I'd like to address some Twitter feedback I got regarding the recent episode I did on the Ahmed Mohammed clock controversy. Okay, so the person's name or Twitter handle is Alden Fats Clark at Fat Solutions, and his tagline is, world-famous powered precious metal butt plug service technician. Okay. I thought he was going to say uh, Precision, but he went with Precious. Um, I think that's the first time in the history of this show that I said butt plug. When I first saw his tweets pop up as notifications on my iPhone, I thought they must have been some kind of spam because I saw Fat Solutions and the word guts. But when I went and actually read them, I saw they came from a sincere listener. And this is what he wrote, or what he tweeted at me. At the weekend. in Doubt, can you take the guts of an iPod and put it in a case and make it work? No, it's not an invention, but it's harder than swapping. And then also, hey, Phil, maybe it wasn't an invention, and maybe you can swap the guts from an iPod to an iPod, but—and then it looks like half, literally one slash two— uh, but, uh, but I, I get what he was saying. And before I fully explain, I'll just quickly read what I, uh, tweeted back. Hi, thanks for reaching out. You make a valid point. As I said, it's more than I could do. But point taken, flawed analogy, smiley face emoticon. Then I followed it up with, at least somewhat flawed, winky face emoticon. Okay, and so what all of that's referring to, in case you missed the episode in question, is how I was speaking about the case of Ahmed Mohammed uh, and the controversy surrounding his uh, homemade clock, and specifically the criticism that his quote-unquote invention may not have been as impressive as it seemed at first blush. Remember how when the story first broke, everyone felt so bad for the kid that people were throwing scholarship offers and trips to the White House at him? But then some videos popped up on YouTube pointing out that the so-called homemade clock upon closer inspection didn't really seem like some innovative or impressive science or engineering project. Rather than being built from the ground up using smaller components, the type typically used by hobbyists, inventors, or students, it appeared that Ahmed simply took the guts from an existing clock and put them in a different housing. In this instance, a pencil case that kind of resembled a metal briefcase. And I, perhaps somewhat misleadingly, compared it to swapping the internals of an iPod from one iPod case to maybe another iPod case of a different color. And I joked about how all it would probably take is some, you know, minor or moderate expertise with a screwdriver, but it wasn't, you know, an invention. And maybe what was misleading about that is that even though this kid's quote-unquote invention may not have been as impressive as it was first touted as being. He probably did do a little more than just swap the guts. Maybe he cut an opening or an aperture for the uh, display and so on. So I think Fat Solutions was trying to make the point that even though it may not have technically been an invention, it probably still took some skill. And I generally agree. I wasn't trying to put the kid down or dogpile on him. I was just trying to take an objective look at the story and some of the theories and controversies surrounding it. Richard Dawkins had caught some heat for criticizing Ahmed in his invention, and I basically came to Dawkins' defense saying I may I may not have felt a need to criticize the kid on Twitter, but I didn't think Dawkins was necessarily in the wrong for doing so. And I thought he had a right to ask questions about the nature of the device and whether it was truly an invention or as impressive as it was made out to be. But I'm glad we're talking about this because I felt a little bad when I came off as sounding... Like I was questioning the kid's intelligence, I think I said, and here I am paraphrasing myself, that one possibility is that maybe he wasn't the sharpest knife in the draw, that, that's how I put it. I probably could have phrased it better or more politely, but what I was trying to say is that there's only so many possibilities regarding this story. If the clock really wasn't as sophisticated as we would expect for something built by a gifted or budding young engineering student, then what's going on? Why did this kid pop a clock open, transfer the guts to a pencil case, and bring it to school? And one possibility is, as some theories and rumors suggest, that maybe he wanted attention so he deliberately made a quote-unquote hoax bomb and showed it off at school even after teachers told him not to. And another possibility could have been that, as cruel as it sounds, his motives were innocent, But maybe he just wasn't as gifted as he had been made out to be, and instead of building something from scratch using smaller components like a hobbyist or inventor might use, he just used the guts from an existing clock. And I don't say that to imply he's stupid. He's probably a lot more studious and academically gifted than I was at that age. I was growing my hair out and drinking at the local park. But in fairness, even though uh, I I was a sucky student, I was also reading stuff like Kerouac, Huxley, and Greek philosophy on my own time. Uh, But anyway, so one thing we know for sure is, uh, and both Bill Maher and Richard Dawkins, who caught heat for their opinions, uh, agree on this too. It wasn't actually a bomb. So I'm sure he is a smart kid, and I hope Ahmed has a good life. I say that quite sincerely. Uh, Just try to stay out of trouble and put that MacGyver shit away next time the teacher tells you to. (laughs) But all right. Uh, Anyway. Uh, Yeah, but in fairness, uh, Fat Solutions— I can't believe I'm saying that, was a good sport and I wanted to uh, thank him for couching his criticisms in a respectful manner. And he even favorited my responses pretty cool. I think uh, civil discourse on the internet is always a cause for celebration. But speaking of Richard Dawkins and Bill Maher, I want to play an excerpt from this past weekend's Real Time with Bill Maher. Bill had Richard Dawkins on as his interview guest, I guess we'd say, before the panel segment, and they talked about a number of topics, including um, Islamophobia and free speech on college campuses, or the lack thereof, etc. And as I mentioned earlier, Maher and Dawkins recently caught some heat for things they said regarding the Ahmed Mohammed Klaw controversy. So this is a pretty interesting and timely exchange um, and I'm kind of giving in the temptation here, and I'm going to play the whole segment for you uh, copyright-wise. That's probably not the smartest decision I ever made, but I-, I like the exchange so much that I figure, hey, I'll play the whole thing. I think it might be roughly in the eight to ten minute ballpark, but here it is. Well, first up,
1: he is a world-famous evolutionary biologist whose latest book is Brief Candle in the Dark, My Life in Science. What a perfect metaphor for a man who's brought so much illumination to a dark world, my friend Dr. Richard Dawkins. Wow. How are you, sir? Great to see you. It's, uh... It's science night here. We have Neil deGrasse Tyson. And you, are you going to stay for overtime? I am indeed. Oh, I'm great. so pleased to have Neil coming. Yes, well, I'm going to grill both of you yeah. on science. Okay, and if well, it's I... real after yeah. the show. <laughs> But uh, I loved your book as I love, this is the second installment of your autobiography um, because, you know, you talk about the wonder of science probably better than anybody. And of course, it's a little bit of a difficult mission because the more you explain how wonderful and amazing science is, the more the other side says, well, yeah, because God did it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Whatever you say, they just turn it against you and say, well, fucking God did it, what do you expect? Uh, You're right, I have no question.
2: Uh, I I realized at the end of that sentence. Okay. um, (laughs) I think that the wonder of science, above all, is precisely that God didn't do it. The wonder is that we do understand how it came about. We do understand how life in particular came about with nothing but the laws of physics, nothing but atoms bumping into each other and then filtered through the... Curious process that Darwin discovered it gives rise to us and um, kangaroos and trees and walruses um, mm-hmm. What's truly wonderful is that it came about without being designed if it had been designed anybody could do that I mean, it's it's the fact that it came about just through the laws of physics naturalism is so, what's so wonderful about it and, and there are things about
1: us that are still not intelligent in the design right uh,
2: you can say that again yes, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are, are you are you thinking specifically of the prostate? <laughs> because as i move into my yet, sick i'm getting ready to be 60 and that, yeah. that's a strange little organ <laughs> you really want to keep that one in good yeah, shape yeah. or so, else so, so far
2: i'm i'm okay
1: yeah yeah me too but you know i pray to jesus every day about it <laughs> oh, <but laughs> Well, i mean you say we know how life began but we don't know
2: how it all began that, that is no, still we'll, a... We'll leave that to Neil Tyson, I think. Yes, yeah. but even he don't know. That's true. Uh, we don't know that, but, but, <laughs> but what, one thing we, we do know is that it won't help to postulate a designer because you've still got the problem right. where he came from That's or exactly. she came from. Right, okay. <laughs> oh, politically <laughs> correct. Yeah, <right.
3: laughs>
1: Smart for this crap. <laughs> uh, Okay, so uh, another thing I love about your book is that, you know, you go after the idea that atheists are humorless and oh. somehow angry, which, uh, yes, I hear that too. And yeah. it's, it's, it's so silly
2: because, uh, to me, it's the religious people who are angry. They're angry and they're humorless as well. I mean, we, we, <laughs> yeah. we, have, we have a lot to laugh at when you think about it. Right, <laughs> oh. <Yeah>. Uh, Pe- <laughs>
1: People say to me all the time, you know, Bill, you're such a meanie. It's so easy to make fun of religion. And I always say, yes, because it's fucking
2: stupid. Yes. That's, uh, it's not a coincidence that it's a comedically rich target. That's true. Um, also, if you think about, I mean, the number of comedians who are atheists, aren't we all pretty much? I mean, right. can you think of any who aren't? Oh, and, uh, there are many who aren't, yes. Are no. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Tim Minchin, Stephen Fry, um, Hugh Laurie, uh, Bill Maher's pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Ricky Gervais, um, uh, Ricky Gervais,
1: probably Sarah Silverman, um,
2: Charlie Chaplin. Well, he's a, a silent
1: atheist. Really? I didn't know that about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> I always thought of him as the thinking man's pedophile. Really? A hundred years after Charlie Chaplin was fucking fourteen year olds. You're booing that. Oh. I'm sorry the Liberals. <laughs> I fucking hate them too. I really do. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> Let's talk about that because uh, our friend uh, Sam Harris uh, coined an interesting word this week, a phrase, regressive leftists. You know, the people who don't quite get it about being liberals in the world. I know you were championing somebody named Mariam Namazi. Oh, yeah. uh, and you and uh, my... Our great friend, Salman Rushdie, got her reinstated. She was going to speak, as uh, so many people have at universities. And then they get disinvited because she's an ex-Muslim and was just speaking her mind. But apparently that's hate speech in this world. So what did
2: you and uh, Salman Rushdie? I am shocked Ra- about the way at un- on university campuses the principle of free speech. When I think that the old university I went to, University of California at Berkeley, the free speech movement in the 1960s what a betrayal we're seeing now Right, with uh, campuses all over the Western world, America and Britain, are denying people the right to come and speak at campuses. If you can't speak your mind on a university campus, where can you? I mean, that's what universities are about. It's about free speech. It's about being, being brought... To- It's about being exposed to ideas that you you haven't met before, perhaps you're hostile to. Uh, If you only ever get exposed to ideas that you agree with, kind of a university would that be? But
1: also th- this, this notion that that somehow Islam and Muslims are this protected species that if we talk about them at all or criticize at all uh, it's somehow hurting or humiliating Muslims.
2: Yes. And, and it, that's a, it's a ridiculous idea. And it's idea. confused with racism as well because an right. incredible number of people think Islam is a race. Re- yes. Oh I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and so they think that if you criticize Islam you're being you're being racist. Right. Or um, and you're absolutely right that the regressive Muslims give a free pass to Islam, whereas they, they kind of write about everything else. I mean, they write about misogyny and, and all the other, other good things, bad things in that case. Um, you're uh, talking about repressive leftists. Y- yeah. Yes, Liberals. yeah, Yes. Um, uh, but in the case of Islam, it just gets a free pass. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's because of the terror of being thought racist.
1: Right. Or, or, in a, or
2: at worst, an Islamophobe. Islamophobe, yes. Yes,
1: yeah. a, a, a silly word that means nothing. Yes. I mean, it's, it's so dumb because, you know, all the people who are accused of being Islamophobes, like you and me and Sam and Ian, we're liberals. We're liberals about everything. We're... were <laughs> yeah. I, yes. I, I mean, from the time I was a child in my home, I was seven years old when my parents told me, we're for Kennedy and him trying to let black people go to college in the South. I didn't even know who black people were. There weren't any in my town. <laughs> I knew we were on their side. And then we were on the side of Cesar Chavez and the lettuce pickers. And then we were on the side <laughs> Then we were on the side of the women's movement and and poor and the yeah. minorities, whatever it was. Gay people, yeah. uh, the disabled, the abused, the molested, whatever Caitlin is up to. We were for it. <laughs> And they applaud that. And if you say something about a woman who's forced to wear a beekeeper suit in the hot sun all day.
2: Oh, that's their culture. You have to respect it. That's right. Yeah. That's what yeah. they say. It's, yeah. it's just insane. Yeah. It's just the one exception, liberal about everything else. But then this, this one exception, it's their culture. Well... The hell with that culture.
1: There you go, Dr. Richard Dawkins. All right, we'll see you on Overtime with Dr. Neil deGrasse
2: Tyson. Thank
0: you as always. So, all right, I really enjoyed that, and it is good to see Dawkins back on real time again. I think it's been a while. And if you're a regular listener, then it will probably come as no surprise to you that I'm pretty much in full agreement with Dawkins and Marr. I share their frustration regarding the overly PC attitude towards Islam on the left, and I say that as someone who leans left myself. And I also agree that it's especially disconcerting when it starts stifling free speech on college campuses. I know they were talking about a different woman, but whenever I hear about people disinviting former Muslims from speaking engagements, especially someone like Ayan Hirsi Ali, uh, who has personally suffered and endured so much at the hands of fundamentalist Islam, it sickens me. And the irony is they probably protest or disinvite these people because they don't want to offend anyone. But what about the speaker? and everything they've been through, Uh, where's your sensitivity and consideration when it comes to them? I think it was just back in 2014 that Brandeis buckled under criticism and rescinded its offer of an honorary degree to uh, Ayaan Hirsi Ali, a woman who suffered uh, misogyny from fundamentalist Muslims growing up, um, who suffered genital mutilation, uh, who fled an oppressive fundamentalist Islamic upbringing, and still to this day, I believe, needs security because of death threats. Where's your consideration and sensitivity for her? Uh, but anyway, on to something completely different, to quote Monty Python. Well, not completely different. It still uh, shares the common thread of uh, that has to do with atheism. Now, I almost decided not to cover this story because I didn't want to seem like I was kicking someone while they were down. But I found my mind kept going back to the subject, so I figured, what the hell, I'll talk about it, but I'll just try to be as fair as possible in my approach. And what I'm talking about is the recent Jacqueline Glenn plagiarism controversy. So just to sum it up concisely, or at least I'll try to be concise, Jacqueline Glenn, a very successful YouTube atheist with hundreds of thousands of subscribers, actually uh, it looks like uh, 361,100. 140, to to be exact. Uh, Well, she recently got caught kind of aping the video of another popular YouTube atheist whose channel bears the name of uh, theoretical bullshit. I forget the individual's name right now, uh, but he seems like a really cool guy. I believe he's uh, literally a soap star. Uh, A listener and friend of mine, uh, John Haas, turned me on to his content uh, back when I was doing an episode on YouTube Atheists, I joked that he was one of those guys who seemed to have won the genetic lottery, GQ looks, and incredibly intelligent to boot. So Jacqueline claims that they're friends. I don't know if that means online Google Hangout friends or real-life Hangout friends, But either way, Theoretical Bullshit made a video about Kim Davis, the woman who's been in the news recently for refusing to issue gay marriage licenses. Shortly after, Jacqueline published a video on the same topic, and it appears as if she basically stole the outline or framework of her friend's video and just barely altered the dialogue so it wouldn't be word for word. So it's basically the same talking points in the same order, even some of the same colloquialisms and figures of speech. Uh, she even uses the same exact Bible verse um, and some of uh, uses some of theoretical bullshits, uh, theoretical scenarios, etc. cetera. And uh, I should be clear that Jacqueline Glenn doesn't deny that she copied uh, Scott. Yeah, that's his name, Scott. So her guilt isn't even a question. She openly admits it. Although at first she just took the video down and directed people to Theoretical Bullshit's channel without admitting any wrongdoing, supposedly Scott himself directly contacted her and suggested she pull the vid and redirect people to his own. I think that was probably his way of trying to be fair to everyone while allowing her to save some face but the plagiarism angle broke nevertheless and quickly became internet fodder. And uh, in fairness uh, to Jacqueline, when I heard plagiarism, I automatically assumed it was word for word copying the other person's video. And in spots, it was pretty damn close to that. She definitely copied his outline, as I said, uh, for lack of a better word, delivered all the same talking points in the same exact order. But It wasn't word for word. And to be honest, I don't know what the technical definition of plagiarism is. Webster's kind of generically describes it as the act of using another person's words or ideas without giving credit to that person, the act of plagiarizing something. First use, 1621. That's a fun fact. (laughs) But anyway, So it says words or ideas, so maybe it still does qualify as technically being plagiarism. But I'll play a quick montage of clips from Jacqueline's video and uh, Scott's video side-by-side so you can hear just how close they are. And just so I don't get accused of plagiarism, uh, this montage has been floating around online, and I think used by different uh YouTubers. I don't know who the first person was to uh, put all this together, but thank you for your hard work. Someone basically, uh, obviously, edited both of their videos and created this very handy little montage. And I think this is about three or four minutes long. Um, perhaps out of sheer laziness, I'll just play the whole thing instead of further editing it. Uh, so please bear with me.
3: Okay, 60 seconds of background in case you've been living under a rock.
4: So a little background information in case you've been living under a rock.
3: Let me try and paint a picture for you, okay? So so Kim Davis goes to the DMV, but the office manager won't authorize the renewal of her driver's license because he's a Muslim and can't in good conscience approve of a woman driving.
4: What if she decided to get a driver's license and she went to the DMV and the person working there happened to be a Muslim?
3: Kim Davis knows a thing or two about the sanctity of marriage because she's on her fourth one. Not to mention the fact that she made babies with the man who would become husband number three while she was still married to husband number one, but that's not the point, it's not the point.
4: Kim Davis has been married four times. She got pregnant with a baby from husband number three while somehow she was still married to husband number one. I'll let you guys figure that out.
3: In the meantime, this woman has has sort of become the poster girl for so-called Christian persecution in the United States. She's
4: become a poster child for Christian marriage.
3: Suppose someone with similarly pressing religious concerns had been elected county clerk at the time that Kim Davis was applying for her second marriage license. Now suppose this person considered himself a Christian and took Jesus very seriously when he said in Matthew 19 that anyone who gets divorced and remarries has committed adultery.
4: You know in Matthew 19 Jesus said that anyone who gets married and then divorced is essentially committing adultery. So I'd like to ask you, Mike Huckabee, how would you react if Kim Davis went to a county clerk maybe on her third or fourth time trying to get a marriage license and they said, nope, sorry, it's against my deeply held religious beliefs. I believe that you're committing adultery because of what Jesus said in Matthew, so I just can't give you this marriage license.
3: I mean, what would what would she do? Would she just like like throw her hands in the air and and go, well, I don't want to violate this fellow's freedom of conscience, so I'll just make my way to the next county over and get a license there. Or would she feel victimized, discriminated against, dare I say, persecuted?
4: Really, you wouldn't care? So you think Kim Davis wouldn't care either, and she would just walk down onto the next county because someone refused to give her her license where she lived? I don't think that would happen. I think she would feel oppressed.
3: This is exactly the kind of question that Mika Brzezinski recently posed to Mike Huckabee uh, on MSNBC's Morning Joan.
4: Unfortunately for me, I don't have to ask you that question because you were asked the very same thing on MSNBC and played totally dumb.
3: Huckabee appears to be representing a not-so-trivial percentage of Americans who are fundamentally confused about which conversation is even being had at the moment. Whether or not same-sex couples have a constitutionally protected right to marriage is what we were talking about back in June before the Supreme Court made their decision. It's not what we're talking about anymore.
4: I think people are a little confused. June, that's when the conversation was about marriage equality. That's not what we're talking about anymore.
3: The controversy is about whether the freedom to practice one's religion entitles someone in Kim Davis's position to violate the constitutional rights of those she took an oath to serve. And the answer, legally, is a big fat no.
4: Now, we're talking about whether or not someone's personal religious beliefs can be forced onto other people. That's the conversation we're having, and the answer is a resounding
3: no. Kim Davis has absolutely no interest in equality. She enjoys the same rights as anybody else. What she's being denied is privilege. She wants her religious beliefs to take precedence over any rights or laws or other religious beliefs that might conflict with them. Well, she doesn't get to have that, and neither does anybody else.
4: These people don't want equality. They want privilege. Kim Davis is not losing any rights. She's got the same exact rights as everyone else, but she is losing the privilege. She wants her Christian faith to be more important than the religious beliefs of other people. She wants her Christian faith to be more important than the rights of other people. She wants it to be above the law. You know what? Sorry, bitch. You don't get to have
0: that. Okay, so there it is. Close enough to be damning, but not word for word. Unfortunately, it seems this wasn't a one-time thing. Some instances of Jacqueline copying and pasting other people's social media posts without giving any sort of credit have also surfaced. And like I said, I'm not talking about this to try to kick someone while they're down. Actually, back during the aforementioned YouTube Atheist video I did, I actually spoke very highly of Jacqueline Glenn, and I can honestly say, perhaps somewhat uncharacteristically, there was no schadenfreude on my part uh, when I first heard about this. I didn't take any kind of vicarious glee in her suffering. I actually felt a little sickened that such a seemingly nice person who seemed above this sort of thing did this. And perhaps that sounds a bit over the top or, or too melodramatic, saying sickened. But I have to admit, you know, I've probably only seen a handful of her videos, but I've seen her around on different shows, on different podcasts. And the impression I always got is that this was a nice, honest person. So obviously copying another person's video isn't the end of the world. But it did kind of, yeah, it had a strange effect on me. Um, and you know that's funny because she she recently co-hosted uh, with the young Turks and or you know joined them for a panel discussion or something like that. And then right after that, this broke. And also, you know, I'm a non-believer. Uh, I don't believe in spooky coincidence. Well, I do believe in spooky coincidences. I just think they're coincidences. They just seem spooky. There's nothing supernatural or anything going on. But it is kind of funny that uh, she co-hosts with the Young Turks, gets busted for plagiarism. And remember, shortly after, C.J. Wurlman, well, when was that, like half a year ago or or more now? Uh, He co-hosted with the Young Turks, got busted for plagiarism. Uh, So two kind of relatively high-profile online atheists, both busted for plagiarism after uh, appearing on the Young Turks uh, as co-hosts. It's just, I don't know, it's like funny, it's one of those weird coincidences. Yeah, and the fact that she always seemed, to me at least, the type of person that wouldn't do something like this or wouldn't need to do something like this. I think that's what fascinated me. Why? I suppose detractors would probably say because she's fake or stupid, but if you objectively watch her videos, and listen to what I hope is her own content. You might not agree with what she has to say, but she ain't stupid. And she's actually pretty capable of intellectually defending herself, say, for example, when she went head-to-head with Ryan Wiley. And that was incredibly frustrating and cringe-inducing thing to watch. I think Ryan Wiley is one of the few people that I've just come out and said, because I usually try to be the nice guy. I just don't care for this guy. Um, I don't like his personality. I don't like anything about him. Uh, But anyway, so why pilfer other people's stuff instead of coming up with your own material? I just don't get it. And uh, she already has a huge YouTube following and her fans seem to be very accepting of her. So why not just relax, be yourself, and voice your own opinions? And I think in a way the the copying and the pasting of the social media posts bothers me more than the theoretical bullshit thing. I think because her aping theoretical bullshit reminds me of a lazy student copying something from an encyclopedia article, but at least changing the words enough that it's not verbatim. Whereas the copying and pasting seems more dishonest and uh, seems more like direct theft, And it comes off as really inconsiderate and uh, self-absorbed. You're taking other people's words and claiming them as your own. The whole thing just seems like uh, such a waste. I'm not sure why someone with so much going for them would shoot themselves in the foot like this. Uh, Self-sabotage, man. I guess uh, only time will tell uh, what the future holds for her on YouTube and how much this will affect her in the long run. One thing's for certain, even if she loses viewers over this, she'll still have a ton more than I'll probably ever have. Oh well, at least I'm honest about it. You gotta be able to laugh at yourself, man. Keeps you going. But uh, but anyway, with that being said, I guess I'll call this episode a wrap. You guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page. And please do. I'm so neurotic about this. You guys are probably sick of it. But I dropped down from 88 likes to 87 and I don't know why. Maybe someone was offended by one of the uh, recent controversial episodes I did. Or maybe someone just accidentally hit, you know, unlike or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, like the Facebook page, please. You can also follow the show on Twitter. Check out the YouTube channel. Uh, you can subscribe uh, or rate the show via iTunes. You can go to Podbean. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Do a search for The Week in Doubt. You can check out the archives all the way back to the inaugural episode. And... You can support the show via Podbean, either by using this kind of Patreon-esque feature they now have, or by using the PayPal widget at the bottom of the page. There's all that alliteration. You can also um, support the show by going to patreoncom doubt, and you can pledge as little as one dollar a month and quit anytime you want. All right, thanks, all you uh, magical peeps. Until next week.